welcome again to Industrial Marketing Live. I'm Peyton Warren, a strategist at the Industrial Marketing Agency, Gorilla 76, and one of your IML hosts. I am flying just a little bit solo today, but I've got a lot of uh, gorillas on the call, so all the gorillas can give you a little wave and uh, definitely feel free to jump in along the way. But uh, really excited to see all your faces, uh, familiar faces and a few new ones. Um, to our crowd that's joining us here in person today. We're just really happy that you're here and excited for y'all to contribute to the conversation as well. So the conversation, what are we talking about? Um, today, our session is gonna be about OEM distributor marketing. So OEM, if you are new to the industrial space, which that's why we kind of created this um, community was to help folks who are new to industrial. OEM stands for Original Equipment Manufacturer. So if you hear that come up today, that's what it means. I had to Google it a million times um, when I first started at Gorilla, so just wanted to clear the air there. But uh, this topic has been coming up for a really long time. Uh, I don't even remember exactly when it first came up. Might have been last fall, could have even been last summer. Um, but obviously, a lot of manufacturers sell their products through distributors, and a lot of um, manufacturing companies are distributors that sell multiple uh, manufacturers' products. So um, we've talked about it a lot off and on. It's come up a lot in our Slack channel, which if you'd like to join, you're always welcome. Just post in the chat and we'll get you an invite to that. Um, but it kind of slid off the radar and we've pushed it back forward. Uh, we had a prep call last week with our lovely guests that we've got today, uh, Jared Beasley and Beth Bauer, if y'all want to give a little wave. Um, and one of the things that we uncovered in that call was that there's not a lot of pressure being placed on manufacturing marketers or marketers at distributors to really um, put a lot of time or effort uh, into that uh, marketing relationship. So, um, you know, that was interesting for me, but this is Industrial Marketing Live and everyone who's part of this channel, you know, we're all trying to be better and we don't settle for status quo. So even if our leadership is not pressuring us to necessarily improve in this area, we all see that there's opportunity. Um, so with that, we're going to jump in and let me introduce to you uh, Beth Bauer, who is a marketer at a tool manufacturer and um, friend of IML for a long time. And Jared Beasley, who's also a friend of IML, longtime friend. Of, I think, Jared, you've been part of IML longer than I have. I say that every time. But uh, yeah, and Jared's a marketer at a distributor. So Beth, um, do you mind introducing yourself a little bit, telling us a little bit more about you? Sure. Hello, everyone. I'm Beth Bauer. I am the digital operation manager at Fullerton Tool Company. So essentially, I manage the digital brand for the company. So whether it's our e-commerce site, email campaign, social media, that's pretty much me. Um, I've been with Fullerton for seven years. And yeah, we make cutting tools. So we make tools that other end users use like Apple or like Boeing to manufacture their end goods. And that's pretty much it. Um, and I got into... Uh, manufacturing sort of by accident. Um, Fullerton actually was a client of mine in my past life and where I worked at like a signage and trade show company. And they approached me about coming on board to work directly for them. And I took the plunge and I've been in manufacturing ever since. Jared, tell us a little bit about you. 
Uh, yeah, I, uh, my name is Jared Beasley. I'm the marketing manager for a company called Midvale Industries. Uh, it's a smaller family-owned company that works in the metal finishing space, uh, foundry, and uh, aerospace industries. Uh, as most of you probably can relate, I am a team of one. Uh, so I do a little bit of everything and being a somewhat smaller company, sometimes that means um, doing stuff that doesn't involve marketing. Uh, so it's a it's a fun life and there's always something different to do, which is fun. How long have you been um, marketing for like a distributor, Jared? I've been here four years. Um, and whenever I started, it was my first time being really my first time being in the B2B space at all, yet alone industrial. Um, so there was a big learning curve because previously I was at a digital advertising agency doing a lot of B2C. So it was, there was a lot of difference um, in, in learning how to go to market, learning where where people exist on the internet and how they look for information. Interesting. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, I did B2C before this. And yeah, there's a lot that overlaps and I think things you can learn, but B2B is, has a whole level of complexity to it. Um, so when we prepped for this session today, we kind of uncovered an obvious vein for our conversation. And that really was that there's a disconnect between OEMs and distributors. Um, we also found that, you know, when you understand the situation that your partner is facing, um, that's going to affect how you work together, right? And maybe how you work better together. And that there are some actions that we can take to improve that disconnect. So that's kind of the flow of the conversation today. But again, I want to just encourage folks. I feel like we never actually follow the flow here on uh, <laughs> IML, or maybe we follow the flow too much. Um, but uh, if you've got questions or things you want to talk about, I really want this session to be helpful for the folks who are here. I, I think that that's like Jared said, he's, um, on a team of one. And, um, I think we'll kind of hear today, like there is a disconnect between OEMs and distributors. Maybe you reach out and you don't always get the support you need. So let's make this group <laughs> that, that, uh, support you need today. So, um, yeah, if you're experiencing something, please raise it up in the chat. Okay, so um, first thing, you know, I think that would be great to talk about is, you know, moving from that disconnect to understanding. So like, what is the current, you know, lay of the land? Um, and I'll ask you this first best, like for how you interact with distributors at your company. Yeah, sure. So here at Fullerton, we're essentially like a team of three. We have a web developer, myself, and a graphic designer. And um, pretty much we just communicate to our distributors. We're not really partnering with them to come up with campaigns together or really supporting them in any way. We have 750 authorized distributors. And so for us, it's with a team of three, like it's pretty impossible to provide a great amount of support individually to those different distributors. And I'm sure probably it's similar to a lot of things that you guys deal with as well is there's always a lot of politics involved when working with these with working with distributors just because we don't want to show favoritism over one distributor over another especially when we have multiple distributors in the same market fighting for the same customers Jared what has been your experience when you're partnering with manufacturers 
Yeah, the the experience can can vary um, greatly. As a distributor, we work with a lot of various OEMs, and sometimes we're working with different OEMs who are making the same type of product as well. Um, when it comes to marketing, though, uh, more often than not, I can get whatever I need from the marketing team, but uh, I have to know who and how to ask. <laughs> um, and that can be a problem sometimes of knowing even who to go to and finding somebody's contact information. Um, some some vendors make it really easy and have an online portal where there's, a, whether it's a Dropbox or just some sort of uh, hosting service that they have, um, tech data sheets, um, images, video brochures, and, and and there are some who will even put our branding on it for us and, and have that prepped and ready to go. So it's just, they send it to us or they print it or we print it. Um, and then there's other times where there's little to no help and we have to make our own literature. Um, but as long as I'm proactive about it, usually I can get what I'm needing from a vendor um, for for what I need from the marketing perspective. But they're like like Beth said, they're I know that they're also working with so many distributors. It's pretty hard to to get the one on one help. Um, but I'm I'm usually whenever I reach out for help, I get what I need. Um, there's just not much planning or prep going into working on marketing together. It's more about just giving me what I need when I ask for it. So Beth, and I know like, oh, sorry. I know like from our prep call, you know, like Jared had mentioned how some of his manufacturers have like a resource hub. And that was like a light bulb moment for myself. Like, oh my God, like that's the least we could do. Like, you know, for our distributors, like have everything, like we have everything already for ourselves, you know, for internal team. So why not make that accessible for distributors who do want to have access to it? So I think it's great, like a great possibility, like so that at least to help in some way with that disconnect. Yeah. So let's talk about that for a second. Like what typical typical stuff would you want to have in that resource hub, Jared, as like from the distributor's perspective? One the, the thing I use the most is images. Um, whenever I'm trying to make a whether it's a brochure or a booklet or something for the website. Uh, sometimes it can be hard to track down quality images um, that are usable, often in old versions of files, you know, stored away or from years ago or, or either outdated or not high quality enough to use for print. Um, so having that resource hub full of images is great. Sometimes there's videos. Um, it's also really helpful um, having easy access to all the product brochures. Uh, oftentimes, some of the OEMs will just have that on the website, um, just a regular website for anyone to have access to. Um, but having either brochures as well as SDS and um, tech data sheets as well on the hub is very useful for us. Can I hop in here um, really quickly? I'm, I'm curious about like images being uh, like one of the most helpful parts of the resource hub. You know, having worked with a lot of manufacturers, like there's a lot of different products and they're all have their special names and, and whatever. I, I would just be curious, having worked with um, you know, a lot of different companies, like what are helpful ways to label those images and unhelpful ways? Um, like so that you know that you're pairing like the right product with the right image and that you're able to kind of apply that without um, like having email someone, I guess. Yeah, uh, often there will be categories and subcategories as far as like the organization of images. And then as long as image, I, I would say you can't get too specific in an image name um, from my perspective. You know, the, the more specific you want to be, that'll be helpful to know exactly what it is. Um, more often than not, I know what I'm looking for, like I'm going into them looking for something specific. 
Um, so typically the, the navigation within the hub is, is probably what's more important. Um, having things clearly labeled under like what type of category the equipment falls under and then, you know, going into the subcategories within that. Awesome. I appreciate that. And Peyton, I know that, um, you know, file structure is like one of your most. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> I think you. you've got to be kind to your future self and to, um, you know, anyone else who's going to be just jumping in. So um, I think that file structure is really important. I could get on a soapbox about that. Um, I also wanted to I, um, just pull in something from the chat real quick where he uh, said manuals, application, product videos, and case notes would be really helpful in like a um, in a resource hub. But Beth, yeah, what were you going to say? I was going to also ask, like get Jared's opinion. So as a manufacturer ha who has around 10,000 part numbers, so that's a lot of images, some of which it's the same image, like would, as a distributor, would you be okay in having like a key essentially with like an EDP and then like the actual file name? Is that helpful or is that too specific? Uh, I, I mean, any way will work. I, I think from my perspective, like it, it's all different um, from the various um, OEMs I work with. Some of them, it's the actual part number for the uh, equipment or whatever it is. And sometimes it's just a description. Uh, I prefer a description personally because I don't usually get involved with our part numbers very often, um, just in my normal flow. Um, so that's useful, but uh, not everything needs an image either. Um, I think grouped images of, of things that are very similar or different sizes of the same unit are very helpful. Um, and that saves me time of having to individually put them all into one image together. I'm, I'm, I have to do a lot of um, redesign or cutting out of images um, to be able to use on other pieces of literature. Yeah, you said transparent is key, right? You're like, just yes. give me transparent yeah. images. Transparent PNG files would be very helpful. Yeah, and, and the other thing, um, Jared, like you mentioned, is, and Beth, you're like, you said that you don't typically work with a lot of marketers at distributors because a lot of distributors that you work with don't have a marketer on staff. So Jared's kind of in a unique role too. Um, so you think about like, there is someone at Jared's company to cut out images when he doesn't have a transparent image. But if there's not somebody there to do that, then they're just going to use mm -hmm. what they have or, or not use it, right? Um, so one of the, uh, one of the other questions we had just to kind of move from that disconnect to understanding, continue to move that direction is I really wanted to know, like, how is success measured for you at your company? Um, you know, as an in-house marketer, um, Beth, you know, like what, what are you being like graded on, uh, when it comes to that relationship between your distributors and, and yourself? Yeah, I think like at this time, there's really no grading or evaluation between and how like we're doing with our relationships with our distributors. I mean, the reality is we don't even know who the marketing contacts are for a lot of our distributors. So I know like after our prep call that we had, that was definitely something I added on my to-do list of like, we really need to make partnering with distributors a priority because how can we expect them to push our product when we're not even giving them any information to push our product with? So, I mean, because in many cases, a distributor is not only selling our products, but our competitors' products. So obviously, they're going to push whoever's product they're getting the information on. So 
yeah, like I think it's definitely something like in the future that should be something like our team is graded on because currently nothing is really happening unless we're specifically being asked. Say like if a, if Jared were to reach out to someone in our marketing team, sure, like we would drop whatever and get him what he needed, but that barely ever happens. We had a question come up in the chat too. Um from Aya and Aya, well, you're welcome to unmute. I'd love to hear more about the story here. Um, if I can find you <laughs> um, in the chat today, but uh, if you find the unmute button, feel free to jump in. But uh, here, I oh, hey. you can see me. <laughs> cool, there you are. Hi, Aya. Hi, how are you? Doing great. Yeah, loved your question about uh, managing brand. Yeah, so my question uh, was. I'm on the manufacturer OEM side and we tried to provide any images or any information our distributors would need. But my question is when distributors make their own marketing materials, how can the manufacturers maintain and manage our brand, meaning the look and feel of our products? Yeah, well, I know. So here at Fullerton, um, we have a document like if we make anyone who wants our images logos any of our assets we make them sign like an advertising agreement where we specifically identify how they can use our images and logos and all of that stuff so first we have them sign it and then definitely we put that into like our database and then definitely occasionally we'll go through and double check to make sure that they're utilizing and recognizing like our brand appropriately but uh, but also like there have been like some distributors where like we updated our logo and they're still using a logo from mm -hmm. 30 years ago and there's really not much we can do because like oh well they don't have anyone on site to change the logo on their website and that's the least of their priorities so i think you just also have to be somewhat flexible in the world of manufacturing because not every company has a team that can support some of this stuff. Like things were initially created a while ago and they have no one really maintaining them. I guess you have to set some sort of guidelines in terms of how to use your logo and all of that. Mm -hmm. But uh, in the contract, uh, do you define any penalties in case distributors do Yeah, I don't think wrong? we have any... Yeah, I don't know if we have any penalties. I can look it up though and get back with you if you want. But it's I don't like believe faith, I can I send guess. you like, yeah, I can send you the agreement if you'd like. And to yeah, like, sure. it's a good place to capture like who is going to be the marketing contact for that company. Like they might not have a marketing mm -hmm. role, but say it's like a sales manager or an operation manager. So at least we have some point of contact to start with. Okay, thank you. Yeah, and um, I also wanted to uh, bring in Will, if you're willing to unmute Will Healy, because uh, you had some interesting comments here about just policing. Um, and I'd love for you to kind of share your experience there. Yeah, uh, sure. Happy, happy to share my thoughts. Um, I used to I used to work at a different company about eight months ago, and uh, my my role now is not deep in this particular topic. But my previous role was very deep, um, working on being. I was I was the brand police for the Americas, and so 
Um, my job was to work with people not utilizing our brand appropriately inside and outside the company. And um, what I realized quickly, we had actually the thousand page branding um, guideline book. And that was just really hard for people to, to follow. And so I... I lowered the expectations of of what was acceptable or not use of the brand. Okay, yes, they're using the white background logo on a on a black website. There's there's only there's only so many things I can fight about. Do they have the logo from from this variation? I mean, I forget who said it. They're using a logo from 30 years ago. As long as they're using the right logo, does it look nice that they have the white box one instead of the black box one with the white letters? You just have you have to lower your expectations because mm-hmm. I, I mentioned another comment. There are 50 vendors all looking at their website just like you. And typically there's not a Jared. Their Jared's company is very lucky there's a Jared. So so yeah. and, and Jared's just one guy, right? Is that what I heard you say? You're you're yeah. just one guy. So like Jared's got 50 companies, maybe even 100 companies that he's trying to do this for. So the only logo he could find in the five minutes he had to update my company's page was that one with the white background. That's the one he's got. So that's the one he's going to use. So I would, I would, I would encourage you to lower your expectations and your standards a little bit. I, I, I that's not my favorite. I'm a very high standards, high output kind of guy, but. Um, when you look at the persona and and you know we all do targeting and and I know the the gorilla team does a great job talking about targeting. Um, when we do targeting, we we think about what's that profile, what are the problems they're working with, and what are the challenges they're working in. And and when you think about someone who's helping with marketing at a distributor, time and number of people asking them for marketing is 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 really their challenges, and so. Um, you know, providing a packet for your logos and sending it to that marketing contact. I, I agree with somebody that said, know who your marketing contact is during the business review. Don't wait for them to find it. Send them a package. Hey, here, I know you're the marketing contact for the company. Here's a zip file with the like eight images you're going to want to use. Don't send them 400 because they've only mm-hmm. got it space on their page. I mean, Jared, you could probably share what, two pictures of a brand and the logo and that's all you got. So like, Maybe even one picture of the product and a, and a logo. Yeah, so, I've I've ran into this stuff a lot. Where um, some some of the OEMs we work with have a specific brand style guideline that they have that they either send you or have access to in the resource hub. Um, which the ones that are ideal have specific color codes mentioned as well. Um, for any time you're doing graphics as well with their logo, you're using specific colors. Um, I've had some who send me in a zip file all the different variations of the logo and the various colors for different types of backgrounds. Um, that stuff is very helpful. I've had other times where I've had to go to somebody's Facebook page and save it from their Facebook images um, because that's the best I can get. Yeah, the, the, number, the number of logos, I'm sure you go to Google and just like type in the company name and logo and then just steal it from there. So if you don't want them doing that, be more proactive, but don't make it 500 pictures, make it like five. These are the corporate images we want you using and don't change it every month, like once a year maximum. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's one thing if you want to celebrate your 50th anniversary or hundredth, you know, like anniversary of the company, but maybe just don't worry about changing that logo on every single one of your distributors. <laughs> um, <laughs> 
file. Yeah, and we, we've had some OEMs do uh, checks before, but they'll let you know, hey, over the next two or three weeks, our marketing team is going to be doing branding checks. Um, so that gives you a bit of a heads up. You're like, oh, I haven't updated that in a while. That's also helpful um, because sometimes vendors do change their logos and you just forget about one on the 150 pages on your website that you had an old one on. How many brands are you managing, Jared? How many brands does your company have active? I have no idea, but it's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> more, more, than, more than more than twenty-five. Yes. More more than seventy. Um, probably, but I don't deal much with a lot of the really small ones. So you may be somebody that Jared doesn't even know. Yeah. True. Yeah. It's yeah, very which possible. is more, more reason why uh, I think even Eddie put it in the chat. Like, it's just like, how do you fix this problem? It's like, maybe just collaborate. So looking for opportunities to collaborate. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, Abby, and I think Will even had a really good point too, where not only lowering the ex- expectations, because I think that's definitely necessary. Like, as long as you're being represented semi-accurately, I think like that's a win in the world of manufacturing. Um, but also too, like, oh, an internal to do for me, like we're constantly onboarding new distributors and like, why am I not like reaching out right away, sending them, you know, like a package of at least our logos and our branding guideline to get started so that they can like add us to our website or their line card or whatever. So that was a really insightful for me and something I'm going to add to my to-do list. Yeah, that's a great point. Uh, really simple brand guidelines and just an onboarding plan to, to bring them on board. Uh, Abby had a great question for Jared, and I wanted her to be able to ask that um, about how OEMs can stick out. Yeah, so you mentioned that you work with some OEMs who uh, sell some similar or the same products as each other. So you're working with OEMs who are competitors to each other. So I'm wondering how some of them stand out to you or um, if there's ones that you prefer working with just because it's just easier to work with them. And maybe part of that is the resource hub or some of those assets available. But I was wondering how else some OEMs stand out to you against their competitors. Yeah. Um, so more often than not, uh, sometimes that has to deal with the scope of the project, especially if it's not a standard product and it's more engineered. Um, that, that'll that'll vary who we work with as well as geographical location. Uh, sometimes we have limitations on where we can sell certain things. Um, from a marketing sp- perspective, I don't tend to have um, OEMs that I want or like to work better with. Some make it easier for me than others, that's for sure. Um, but this this is also kind of part of a conversation I know, Peyton, you were wanting to get into. Uh, something I'm, I had brought up on the uh, the prep call was what we refer to in-house as vendor politics, uh, meaning since, and, and it's the same from the other side, you know, as, as a distributor, we work with a lot of different vendors. And in this specific case where you're selling the very similar types of products from two different OEMs, you you have to navigate those relationships um, from a business standpoint well. And from a marketing standpoint, I also have to navigate it and, and, and I have to try to tr- tread everything evenly um, to not make it seem like we're overemphasizing one uh, OEM versus another, especially if it's of the same product, because we want to maintain good relationships because we have certain needs where one OEM fits really well and certain needs where the other one fits really well. Um, but I would say from a marketing perspective, some make it easier to work with um, by providing more information. Some of them will even provide um, 
uh, marketing materials and graphics for me as well. Um, but I, there's not necessarily any that like stand out as that they do a, a make it easy that they are better to work with. Just some require more effort from me than others. Do you feel like Jared, when 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 a OEM makes you work a little bit harder, you're less likely to do the work for them? And not to put you on the spot, I mean, I'm sure you do good work all the time, but you know, like the, um, the OEMs in the room are trying to be your favorite OEM. So how do they become your favorite OEM? <laughs> um, honestly, a lot of it comes down to if I ask for something, um, doing your best to make it happen. I've had instances in the past where I get pushed back when I ask for pictures of a piece of equipment that we sold, um, whenever it's getting its runoff done in their facility, wanting to get good pictures of it to showcase something that, you know, our team sold. And if, if there's pushback, then I just like, well, I'm just not going to ask you for help anymore. And we're going to make it happen on our own. Um, or sometimes we go above their head and reach out to somebody higher up in the company that we work with, um, which then unfortunately makes them look bad. That's never my first choice. Uh, so I don't want to make somebody else look bad, but uh, sometimes when we don't get what we need, we do have to take it up the ladder. Yeah. Cause y'all have, you know, goals you're trying to hit as well and expectations have been placed on you. Um, so products got to get moved, right? Yep. So Beth, from your perspective, you know, kind of turning that question that Abby had on the other side, like what do the best distributors do who you work with? Like what have you found that makes a part a distributor partner like your favorite kind of partner? Yeah, I would say from my standpoint, like my favorite distributors are ones that are willing to give testimonials or like help provide input for like case studies. So whether it's themselves like from a distributor perspective, like working with us or giving access to us, to the actual end user, the person using our product. So I feel like, you know, like nothing is more impactful than numbers of how we can help someone cut costs or maximize productivity or whatnot. And so the ones that are our favorite are the ones that are helping us generate access to that data so that we can use utilize that in our marketing materials. So you're talking about things like feedback from the end user, the person the person who they're selling it to, yeah. the company that Even, they're selling yeah, it to. Yeah, access to the end user because oftentimes distributors hold those end users close because they don't want us to know who that end user is because, I mean, they also have five other of our competitors like in their lineup that they could... Like if it got out that they were giving this customer to our products, um, then other customer, I mean, other manufacturers might be like, well, why aren't you trying to sell or push our cutting tools with them? So the most helpful are the ones that are opening up the door so that we can, you know, contact the end users directly or even just sharing to some degree, even if it's just being able to say like an aerospace manufacturer, you know, milling in in Canal or whatever. So... It's just really having access to information. Do you have anything set up inside your company right now to kind of like um, help them share that information with you? Um, or is it more of like a manual like conversation process? Um, well, not only like with our distributors, like the sales team, it's very similar where they like to hold their cards close to them. 
So I'm just typically like pestering our sales team and finding out like what information, like what's winning, like what do they have? They heard like this week, I sent out usually like a weekly email of like, share me, like, share your wins for the week. And then oftentimes that opens the door of like, well, I had this project with such and such distributor and then they'll give me their info and then I can reach out directly to them. So it's a lot of manual. There's no like open communication between distributors and our marketing team at the moment. Yeah. And I, this came up in the chat too, but I think um, one of, maybe it was Claire who posted this, but maybe that conversation happening is a good thing because um, she said that from the, um, from her perspective, you know, knowing that there's a real person on the other side that you're actually partnering with kind of helps that relationship improve. So um, yeah, so maybe we don't have to automate everything. (laughs) Another challenge that I've experienced with that too, is I feel like um, when people are a little bit more removed from what modern marketing is, they think of marketing and if we're wanting to hear from your end users, they think we just want to reach out to them with like spammy e-blast and just advertise to them when like it's just taking a lot of work on my part. Like, no, I just want to understand. I want to hear from our end users. I want to know what their experience is just for our own like uh, information collecting. I don't want to send them 50 e-blasts a week, uh, you know, promoting mm-hmm. products that they're not interested in. Yeah. And some I'm not really directly going along with that, but it also reminded me that like customers are often hesitant to provide a testimonial, but Usually they're very open to have a conversation. And then from that, typically they're open to you writing a testimonial for them. And then, you know, that you can gather from the conversation and then just sending it to their approval. So that's like a helpful little tip as well. Okay. One of the things that's come up in the chat that's been a popular question. Aya with another popular question here today. Um, She's asking about um, duplicate web content. Um, Aya, do you want to add more context or? And sure. So my main uh, concern or the question is um, if, again, as a manufacturer, let's say we write case study or blog article and the distributors could have the exactly the same thing on their website and that would be a duplicate and I was wondering if anybody has advice on how to avoid having duplicates and having distributors and the manufacturers competing against each other in SEO and instead work together more harmoniously so that we can enhance each other's on content and traffic. Yeah, Jared, what uh, what's on your mind with that? Yeah, I, I've encountered this quite a bit. Um, from the di- distributor perspective, I kind of have this uh, this this view on the topic that the content is owned by the OEM on on the equipment or products, and there's only so much you can say. Uh, so often, what I try to do from my side of things is I look at the material and I try to completely restructure and reword it um, because whoever owns the content usually is is for one, they're the it's their product, but um, there's also issues with if they have higher domain authority, then if I'm putting the same content out there, it's not going to do me any good. Um, but I've also had a lot of conversations with some of the marketing people at our OEMs of people that I trust, uh, especially on the SEO side of things, um, about what what 
they're targeting. I'll have conversations about what keywords they're targeting, um, about what their what their intent was with using um, like the the content that they wrote, and I'll work with them to come up with my own version, and, and I'll send it to them for their approval. I'll make sure they're okay with it. Um, so that way, to make sure that we're not just having the same thing out there. Um, in regards to case studies, I will say one thing that's been very helpful is when uh, OEM does have case studies that we're able to use is having it in PDF form. Um, so there, that way it's a click to download or a click to open option. That way it's it's not um, content that's being scrubbed. Um, and and sometimes I'll just include the, the link that they use on their own website. Um, I've been asked that before by NOEM just to use the link for their um, clickable PDF. So that, that, those are the ways we kind of work around that issue. There's also the option, depending on how your website's set up, if you use like um, Yoast um, in WordPress, you can really easily add a canonical tag. So if you wanted to give credit to the main source of that website, then Google's not going to like ding you for duplicate content. Um, so that's something to keep in mind whenever you are doing a lot of copying and pasting into like a web page, because ultimately you want to be able to be, um, you want it to be accessible and easy to, you know, read and PDFs, you end up doing a lot of pinching and pulling if you pull it up on your phone, but um, yeah, you don't want to damage your SEO value there. Um, we had another question come up uh We've had a couple of questions come up in the chat and trying to keep track of it all. But uh, uh, one thing I wanted to kind of circle back to is folks are asking a lot of questions about the resource hub. And uh, Stephen um, said that he just recently set one up. And I would love to hear from Stephen about his experience setting that up. If uh, you're able to unmute. And um, yeah, I can unmute. I'm just here working and listening. <laughs> putting you on the so, spot, Stephen. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> in one year, I heard my name. So <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Uh, we have a Shopify store, and on the back end, I created a secure distributor portal. So we're trying to get all of our distributors to change over images and updated files. So I set up a secure app. So they log in with their, their password and they have all the latest images, price sheets, terms, conditions, logos, etc. I'm actually going through and emailing supply uh, distributors right now, getting them to change over information. We got some positive feedback that it was a good idea. So I recommend everyone to do it. It's just an effort connecting everything. So I don't know if you have any other questions about it. No, I think that's great. That's interesting that you uh, went through Shopify. I don't know if anyone else is using Shopify, but. Yeah, well, we're, no, well, you're, where you have an e-commerce store. So it's just uh, easier to connect it to the current website. I was using Google Drive for a while, and it's just not as conducive. It's a larger effort getting people to go in there. Uh, so it works out. Recommend try everyone to try it. I have an app if anyone does use Shopify that would lock it for you. Okay. I can have one comment to that. If you have a login-based system like a Shopify like that, where you can build custom pages based upon accounts or company names, um, you can do the same thing that you're doing for a distributor portal for a large account. So once you set that up for a distributor portal, um, you've actually set up all the functionality you need to set up a large account. Maybe it's you know Ford or Tesla or something. 
And then all the employees have access to tools and resources for for that for that large account as well. So there's there's a lot of value in asking your company to set up a, a login-based system like that for your distributor portal. And you can sometimes justify it that my previous role, you can never get a good investment in a distributor portal. But as soon as we had some large accounts asking for it, we got the investment and then we got our distributor portal. So it was kind of backwards from, from what I'm talking about. But sometimes if you're trying to get justification and get money, um, that we need, the more you can tie it together into other things, the the more successful you are getting money. So just uh, keep in mind, you can use it also for large accounts when you're trying to set that up. And speaking of money, I saw in the chat that someone has a manufacturing partner that's charging for resources. Um, and we all agreed that that's not a good idea. <laughs> so I just want to like take a stand, IML, we're united. We don't think it's a good idea to charge for <laughs> your resources. Um, I also feel like something like the distributor portal it would also be helpful for like your sales team as well. I mean, they're on the road. They're a little bit disconnected. And I know like here at Fullerton, we also have independent manufacturers reps, which are outside sales agencies like doing their own thing. They're selling our products. They're selling our competitors' products. So I think that is something where a portal could be utilized for them as well. Yeah, Jared, what were you going to chime in there with? Oh, yeah. I was going to uh, take it even further on that you shouldn't charge for material, but also be proactive in helping provide material. Um, we Most OEMs I work with, if I ask for printed out flyers, if they have already made something, they will send it to me. But there are some that are um, no longer printing on our behalf, and we have to print it ourselves, um, which when you're a distributor doing products for a whole bunch of different companies, that will add up really quickly. So we just kind of go without, for the most part, or we lump their information in with a whole bunch of other stuff. So we can print one thing that has a lot, which loses value for them as the OEM. Interesting. Yeah. Um, and Kate, um, I saw you, you posted in there. Are, is that like a, is that what they're charging for is like the printing costs or more of like just access to the assets? Access. So <laughs> this is just hysterical to me because I've never been charged for assets and I'm like, I'll just copy your stuff off of social media. Sorry, I'm not paying you for, for your marketing materials. That's like pictures of the equipment uh, food and people in restaurants eating. We sell equipment, um, food service equipment. And when I first started like six years ago, they gave us all that for free and it wasn't very robust. There was like the bare minimum. They don't have a lot of marketing resources. And then they did away with that tool. They had a resource center. They did away with it. Then the last couple of years, they hired an agency. And I think to fund the agency, which in my opinion, <laughs> Well, never mind. I won't have any more editorial comments. But um, with that agency, I think to fund that, they've asked all of the North American distributors to pay. And I think we're like the only ones who refuse because they pay me for, for that stuff. You know, they're not going to pay for like pictures of the equipment we're selling for them. You know, it's it's ludicrous to me. <laughs> so. so interesting. Yeah. And I, you know, maybe this is a good question for folks to chime in in the chat, but Katie Claus posted this too. And, you know, about just 
if you charge for catalogs or, you know, like just, I guess if you're the, if you're the OEM, like what is your setup um, for making sure that you're not all of a sudden, I mean, you know, if you've got, Beth said she works with 750. So like, I, I can understand from the perspective of the manufacturer too, about like, okay, we're going to pay for all these printouts or or things like that. And then are you going to use them or are they just going to sit on the shelf? Like, um, so that sort of situation. So I'd be curious what folks experience is there, what, what you're doing at your company. In my, co- in my comment was digital resources. Yeah, yeah. Materials. Mm-hmm. Printed, I get it. Like Katie's actually what our best, and I'm not just saying that because we're friends, but our best <laughs> best marketing manufacturer um, that we sell for. And she provides all the digital stuff we need all the time, no questions asked. Um, but yes, for printed, I totally get charging for that and the reasoning behind that. Interesting. Yeah. Well, all right. I don't want to keep you all here all day. Like I said in our email and in my LinkedIn post, I I think that this is just like the start of, um, you know, taking the the first step down, improving the relationship between OEM and um, distributor, not even the relationship, just like the marketing partnership between uh, the two. I feel like there's good relationships there already. We just need, we could just do better marketing together. Um, So, uh, Rohit also asked a really great question. I'd love to get to it, but I, I want to be respectful of everybody's time. Um, so we'll definitely have to come back to his question about events and seminars. We'd love to talk about that in Slack. Um, but to round out our episode today, uh, we covered a lot. And I always like to end with just, a, you know, what would be your one takeaway from the session that you'd like folks to leave with um, above everything else? So Big question. We talked about a lot, but Beth, I'm curious, and Jared, curious, like what what's the thing that you heard today, maybe from uh, that either you heard from Beth or you heard from uh, Jared uh, that you'd like to continue or carry with you into your marketing programs. For me, I feel like finding folks like Jared at our distributors, like Jared, seems like a unicorn in the world of manufacturing marketing. So. I think for me, my big takeaway is really start working with our distributors and seeing if I, if one, they even have marketing teams. And if so, like those that are like Jared, who are willing to work with the manufacturer and really partner together, that's my takeaway. Yeah, I would say one of the takeaways for me, as Beth was talking about this earlier, especially when we're talking about the the, the brand guidelines, is is setting up the distributors for success early on. Um, and if you haven't done that before, it's never too late to to, to do that. Um, to kind of do a, a a reset on branding guidelines of um, whether it's with the through a resource hub, um, which I know would be a lot of work up front. But I will tell you, the people who have resource hubs, uh, I bother their marketing people very little. Um, once it's up and running. Um, so yeah, setting setting up the distributor for success because ultimately they're marketing the same product you're trying to market to. Ultimately, the OEM distributor relationship is more of a sales and business partnership as, and there's not much focus put on the marketing partnership. Um, but that means, I, I think that they're, those two things can work together even though you're marketing the same products. Awesome. Such great insights today. Thank you uh, again to Beth and Jared for joining us today. 
really, really awesome session. I am sure everyone here got a lot of value out of it. And thank you to everyone who chimed in. Uh, Will, that was great. Abby, that was great. Grace, thank you. Um, so everyone else in the chat, uh, thanks for contributing to the conversation today. And we will see you in a couple of weeks. Um, I actually don't have, oh yeah, what, what are we talking about next time? We're actually talking about podcasting for manufacturers with uh, Chris Lukey. So uh, join us May 4th, may the 4th be with you. Yes, um, for our next uh, IML episode with uh, Chris Lukey on podcasting. Um, and in the meantime, join us in Slack. So uh, thank you again, Jared. Thank you again, Beth. And we'll see you all soon. Bye. Bye. Bye.